the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow, as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us, we'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bavada at Odds podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcast. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 124 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. Uh, Bryce, last night you and I ventured into, I won't even say enemy territory because to be honest, the Mets haven't been a real threat to me in what feels like my entire life, maybe outside of the 05 to 07 Beltron and Johan years. Uh, but we've ventured into enemy territory. Oh, Johan wasn't there. 07, he was there. No, I got there 08. Oh, all right. So then I guess just we'll call it the Carlos Beltron, Reyes Delgado years. Uh, Pedro. Which Pedro, which is still, you know, quite the formidable quartet there. Uh, we, we went to City Field last night and we saw the Mets get their faces stomped in by the Dodgers. Uh, I'm not even going to, you know, dump on the Mets because right now the Mets are in the midst of a 13 game uh, stretch where they play the Dodgers and the Giants, which this year, especially, um, you know, I think Mets fans are used to getting the short end of the stick, but this in particular seemed like a pretty big fuck you from the baseball gods. Um, But looking at that Dodgers lineup, I mean, holy crap, is that a fun team to watch? And they were missing Mookie Betts. They were missing the takeaway from the game was the Dodgers B team would make the playoffs it's unbelievable the Dodgers B team wins the NL East this year oh 100% yeah they um for a second place team they're pretty good the fact that there's still three games out with that team is unbelievable and I will never stop doing double takes when I see Turner at second base even though I can see very clearly underneath that there's another Turner at third uh Trey and Justin it'll still mess with my brain as long as they're both teammates. I feel like Justin Turner can play second base though. Correct. That he came up as a second base, but that's why it especially throws me off that and trade. I mean, God, the, that's why their B team so damn good. They could have any, all their guys play all over the field. Mookie Betts could play second base. Mookie Betts did play second base this year. It's unbelievable. It's a good time to be a Dodgers fan. I read it in the ESPN power rankings today. Uh, you know, you're almost spoiled by the fact you're spoiled that, you have a team that's on pace for 98 wins and it's considered a disappointment. Uh, that just shows how this Dodgers run under Dave Roberts, just how successful they've been in the past seven, eight years. Roberts hasn't been there seven, eight years, but you, I mean, you get as what A-Rod, I'm trying to shove. As A-Rod put it last night, they're the New York Yankees of baseball. Apparently A-Rod from what I read on Twitter last night was just insufferably bad to listen to on the broadcast. He called the Dodgers, the Yankees of baseball. I get it, but I think at this point, the Dodgers are just the Dodgers of baseball. They're in their own tier. They're the Dodgers of baseball. They're a class above every other team in the league. A-Rod thinks, I mean, well, you have to remember, A-Rod thinks he's a class above everybody else in the league from an individual standpoint, too. Well, if there was a stretch when he was. Well, I guess Pools was that. I mean, A-Rod was never a class, a full class above. 
hold that, hold this thought on A-Rod and Pools because this is a discussion point I want to get to later on. Um, yeah, now A-Rod, he's just a basketball owner. Moonlighting is a baseball announcer. Um, not a super busy news week, but we had a no-hitter. We had the Field of Dreams game, a couple extensions, retirements, releases. So we will get all into that. Uh, but first and foremost, we will do our BovadaSportsbook.com picks of the week. First game we got tonight, we got the A's visiting the White Sox, two playoff teams as the season ended today. Everybody's favorite, Frankie Montas on the bump for the A's. Dallas Keuchel, everyone's favorite bearded lefty for the White Sox. Games in Chicago, minus one and a half, plus 130, minus 125 for the A's. Plus one and a half, minus 150, plus 105 for the White Sox. I know Frankie Montas is everyone's Why favorite. Why are the White Sox dogs in this game? Yeah, that, that to me, White Sox plus 105 is a no-brainer. I'd be taking that game right now if I didn't finish down 90 bucks last week. No, that – yeah, Frankie Montas is – He's he's riding the fantasy team, so I, I pay very close attention to everyone's favorite. He's he's got really good stuff, but gives up a lot of runs. He's he gives us a, he's good in the strikeout category, but bad in the ERA category. That would be my my insight onto Frankie Montas. So you're going with the White Sox? Definitely taking the White Sox. All right, the other game we will pick is the aforementioned Mets in San Francisco against the Giants. Rich Hill for the Mets, Kevin Gausman for the Giants. Plus one and a half, plus 100, plus 187 for the Mets. Minus one and a half, minus 120, minus 227 for the Giants. Mets are on a losing streak. They took a late night flight out to California last night. Gausman's back. Give me the Giants minus one and a half, minus 120. I'm definitely taking the the, the Dodgers, the Giants. Sounds like you were on that late night flight too, buddy. Yeah, I was on my own late night flight. But um, I would say the Dodgers – Jeez, I did it again. Um, I want to know what if Bovada has an odds for how many consecutive losses the Mets go on. Because I, what's the, what do you have as over under Mets? Oh, put it in that thirteen game stretch. Over under for Mets wins. I think they're going to lose thirteen straight games. Not inconceivable that they lose all thirteen. I think Tonight they're about to enter. Home. I think they're about to enter free fall mode. Yeah, tonight's not going to be one of their wins. Give me the Giants. I, I don't – yeah, the, the minus one and a half is fine there. That's a bad flight for the Mets. Moving to the league leaders, uh, not a ton of movement in the American League, so I'm just going to run through this. AL East, Rays, three games up on the Red Sox. Yanks, five and a half back. Blue Jays, seven and a half back. Uh, Orioles in last. AL Central, White Sox, 10 up on the Indians. Tigers, Twins, Royals rounding out of the division there. White Sox, only team above 500 in the Central. Uh, AL West, Astros still two and a half up on the A's. Mariners, Angels, Rangers rounding in that division there. Um, the Red Sox are the first wild card. They are one game up on Oakland. Yankees two and a half back in the wild card. Toronto four and a half back. Uh, looking at the American League in general, you know, it's been a tough time to be a Yankee fan. We've won six straight series since the break. You know, obviously there's been the crushing losses, the Field of Dreams game, which we'll talk about in a little bit, being one of them. But as much as the Yankees have been winning, the problem is the Rays, Red Sox, and A's just keep winning as well. Uh, again, the, the A's, we thought the AOS was locked up a couple months ago. A's are only two and a half back now. Um, so as we're entering mid-August, looking at the American League playoff picture, uh, who would be your two Bovada picks to come out of the American League as the wildcard teams? I mean, I'd, I'd had to go as of today. I'm going Yankees and A's. Uh, they've been the two hottest teams down there. I, I just think ball. I 
Oh God, but Boston's also getting sale back. Yeah, but you know, I, I today I'm gonna have to take the Yankees. Their moves, getting Rizzo, getting Gallo, finally make that lineup a good lineup, great. And Oakland just they don't lose games for some whatever reason. They just don't lose games. I'm gonna go with the Yankees and the A's as well. Should the Yankees have swept the White Sox? Yes, but. Don't lose sight of the fact that I, I think we both agree from a talent perspective, the White Sox are the best team in the American League. And the Yankees were in a position to sweep despite not having Cole, Montgomery, Herman, Sanchez, Rizzo. We're talking three-fifths of your rotation and two huge impact bats. And Gio Rochella, the starting third baseman. As much as I love Odor, he's scary out there at third base. And they only had Zach Britton for one of the games because he turned into a – he quit. Yeah, I'm over Zach Britton. Yeah, the Britton experience is uh, – the, no 20, the 2021 Yankees in a nutshell are Zach Britton telling Aaron Boone, I don't deserve to be the closer, don't put me in the closed games, and then Boone having to use him as closer because the game went into extra innings. Because the guy they had as the closer gave up a game tying home. Correct. Chad Green, I love you. I don't think it's your fault. It's not your fault that you just get run into the ground in terms of usage. I will be a Chad Green defender for the foreseeable future. Well, someone's got to be. Hey, let it be me. Why not? Uh, NL East, shake up at the top. Braves in first, 62 and 56. Phillies, one back. Mets, two and a half back. Marlins, Nats, rounding out that division there. I don't think the Mets have the ammo with DeGrom. It's looking like increasingly likely that DeGrom might not pitch this year. Baez is out as well. Uh, so if this is between the Braves and Phillies in the East, I like the Braves. I think the Braves are going to come surging back to win this division for the fourth straight year. The Braves have, you know, on the way back and they're. He's coming back tomorrow. With, I just learned because my fantasy, I got to figure out who to drop in fantasy. You want any of my pictures? I'll, I'll swing one to you. Sure. You want, you want Logan Gilbert? He's like decent. I only want Taylor Gilbert. I don't have Taylor Gilbert. I don't have Blaine Gabbard either. You think Taylor Gilbert gets picked up in a bunch of leagues? 100% people who overreact to the fact that he threw a no-hitter in his first start. He's got a 100% success rate of starts and no-hitters. It's a hell of a ratio. That's a historically good ratio. Uh, so, all that said, you know was back. Oh, all that said, I'm going to take uh, – yeah, I think I'm going to have to take – well, I took the Phillies to start the season. but You know, there – I just don't trust the bullpen. I still don't trust – even with Ian Kennedy, it's the, the bullpen's an issue, and once you get past Wheeler – I mean, Nola just hasn't been very good this year. I think especially once you know any and Anderson are back and you have those two, Charlie Morton, who's rounding into the Charlie Morton form of the past few seasons, uh, and Max Fried. I just think that's a very solid one through four, good bullpen. And uh, ultimately, look, when Acuna went down, these guys have stepped up. You know, Solaire's been hitting the crap out of the ball. Albies, Riley, Freeman carrying the team. And we were talking about it last night. Dansby Swanson's going to be the most casual 30 home run shortstop we've had in quite some time. No, they made a bunch of night. They, they didn't make that that home run swing at the break, at the trade deadline. But I like what they did. They didn't do anything over the top. They didn't overreact and sell the farm for a quick fix. But you know, like I pick up a guy like Soler, that that'll make that get you homers. Like they they piece together a nice team. I I don't think they'll win the World Series, but they should be. They, I think they're going to win this division. NL Central, Brewers 72 and 47, eight up on the Reds. They are 10 up on the Cardinals, Cubs, and Pirates rounding out that division there. This is where I'm going to give my shout-out before we get into the standings. 
everyone who knows me has heard it plenty in the past couple of days, but screw it. I want all the podcast listeners to hear it. Frank Schwindel, Livingston native, is absolutely flago right now. Hitting 313 going into tonight as the Cubs starting for his basement. He's hitting two. First inning, hit a double tonight. Frank the Tank, keep kicking ass. Cubs fans, you got a good one. Yeah, pride of Livingston. Well, you're the pride of Livingston. He's the heart and soul of Livingston. <laughs> yeah, he's putting Livingston on the map. And uh, for anyone listening, September 17th? Is that the date? 15th. 15th, 16th. For any other fellow Livingston Jews like myself who are looking to do something new for breakfast, Bryce and I will be traveling to Philadelphia for the Cubs-Phillies game to go see Frank live in action. We're going to break the fast with a Philly cheesesteak at Pat's. Come on, come all. Let's go cheer him on. Well, Chase, I'm, um, I'm going to have to look. I'm looking on Twitter right now. I, can I read you a, a tweet I'm seeing? Is it about Frank? No, it's uh, since the break, a pitcher has a 1.53 ERA, a 0.92 whip, and an opponent's batting average of 196. Who do you think that is? Is it Tyone? It's Matt Harvey. Jeez, he's back. He's back. It's Matt Harvey. This is shocking to me. He had a no-hitter through three and then gave up two runs in the fourth. NL West, Giants four up on the Dodgers. Padres are in third place, 10 games back. Uh, And if you had told me in April that the Yankees and the Padres would have had the same record on August 16th, I would have said you were crazy. But by winning percentage, they are more or less the same. Padres are 558, Yanks are 558. Well, Yanks and Padres are. I'm just saying, if you, after the first month of the season, looking at how the year was going so far. um, So it shows how much the Yanks have been thriving and the Padres have been slipping. Rockies, D-backs rounding out the division there. Uh, wild card, the Dodgers are six up on the Padres for the wild card spot. Reds, two and a half back. Cardinals, four and a half back. Uh, Reds are playing good ball. Padres have Tatis back. They just signed Jake Arrieta. We will get back to get to that later on. Uh, but I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked you in the AL for the NL. Your two Bavada picks to come out of the NL with the wild card. Um, and that could also include a team that is currently in first place. I mean – I, it'll be either the Giants or the Dodgers. I think the I think the Giants are going to hold them off at this point. I think just not, they're just not losing games. I agree with you. I think the Giants are going to win the division at this point. Uh, Chris Bryant finishing fitting seamlessly in there. They're getting Longo back this week. Uh, I like the Giants to finish it first in the West, and then the Dodgers host the Padres. Yeah, I mean Tatis got back from injury and hit two homers. That's going to be the most exciting wild card game ever. Yeah, I mean, who started? I was about to ask you the same thing. Who are you giving the ball to if you are Dave Roberts, Scherzer, the veteran, or Walker Bueller, who's had nothing but postseason success for the Dodgers? I I would probably – I would give it to Walker Bueller. I think you you need – I mean, you need to win that game, so you give it to your best guy. I would go with Walker as well and just have a short leash. Maybe even have Scherzer ready to go after him because you can always go Kirsch or Urias game one. I'd have Urias ready to go in release. He's the guy that makes the most sense. Uh, moving to the league leader side of things, run scored leaders. Vlad Jr. has overtaken Bo Bichette for the league lead and with 90. Adam Frazier traded in midseason, still chugging along, 143 hits for the uh, Harvey gave up another home run. Sorry for your loss. Marcus Simeon leading the league with 33 doubles. 
Triples leaders, David Peralta with seven. Home run leader, Showtime, Shohei Otani with 39. RBI leader, Devers, 89 RBIs. Walks leader, Juan Soto overtaking Joey Gallo with 88. I just want to do a quick aside. I know we said this last week with Soto, but the guy's leading the league in walks. 302, 437, 506, down here. Jesus Christ. Guy's good at baseball, Chase. He's, uh, he's good at baseball. Stolen base leader, Starling Marte, tied with Whit Merrifield. Uh, Andrew actually told me a fun fact today, my roommate, that Starling Marte, it's looking increasingly likely, uh, may be one of the few players in baseball history to lead two teams in stolen bases in a season. Uh, in his case, it would be the Marlins and the Athletics. Well, what are the chances Trey Turner does that also? I don't think he'll lead the Dodgers and steals. I'd have to I'd have to look a little deeper into that. I'm doing some digging. Don't worry. Professional hitter Michael Brantley leading the league with 332. Uh, although Trey Turner, if the season ended today, would be the NL batting champ at 318. On base leader Soto, 437. Slugging leader at 650, Shohei Otani. And on the pitching side of things, your wins leader, Kyle Hendricks, Julio Urias with 13 apiece. ERA leader, Walker Bueller, 2.09. Uh, your saves leader with 34, Mark Melanson. Innings pitch leader, 162, Zach Wheeler. Strikeouts leader with 187, also leader, uh, also Wheeler. And your whip leader at 0.9, Max Scherzer. Uh, of those two guys, there's a lot of common guys that I saw at the top of the leaderboards for the NL, Bueller or Wheeler. If you had to give the side of one of them, who would you give it to? Um, today it's going to Walker Bueller. I'm with you there. But tomorrow it could be Zach Wheeler. I mean, I think that just because uh, I saw Walker Bueller pitch more recently. And was more dominant recently. Yeah, so it's one – I mean, it was – I mean, what did – you? What did <clears throat> – I think I just missed Wheeler's start, but what did he do after he pitched that complete game on Roy Halladay Day? I don't think he did much. That's not what you – but I don't know. You you could look this up right now if you want. And I well, uh, Trey Turner only has two steals on them for the Dodgers. Might be tough. Needs a couple steals then for the Dodgers. Uh, some players of the week. Corbin Burns matched an ALNL record by striking out 10 consecutive Cubs during one particularly dominant stretch of a 15 strikeout eight inning masterpiece Wednesday at Wrigley. He tied Tom Seaver and Aaron Nola uh, for the record there. Corbin Burns, another guy who I think we both agree will be in the Cy Young hunt. Um, ultimately I think that all three Brewers pitchers will split votes, but of Burns, Woodruff and Peralta, who do you think ends up with the most votes? Uh, I mean, Woodruff has the best ERA by a little, probably Corbin Burns. Cause, um, I got, God bless Corbin Burns. The world needs more people like Corbin Burns. He's got a fun name. And he's yeah, I mean, Bur- it'll be. Bur- I mean, Burns is third in the league in strikeouts and third in the league in ERA. Are we sure Burns won't just win the Cy Young outright? He may. If it's a fashion contest, he'll certainly win because he wears those great Rex specs. Yeah, that's why the world needs more. The world needs more Rex specs. A um, couple other players of the week. We mentioned Frank. You mentioned Tatis. Comes back last night. Goes four for five in his major league debut in the outfield. He played right field for the Padres. Two home runs. Uh, and any MVP prop bets that we threw in the past few weeks are officially dead. King Tatis is here to claim his award and claim his jewelry. Uh, shout out to the Romine brothers. Uh, they became just the, I'm looking at it right now. 
I don't have what, what number they were in terms of the battery mates, uh, but for the first time in more than six decades, a brother pitched to his catcher. Uh, Andrew Romine was an infielder. He caught pitch to Austin Romine in the ninth inning Thursday. Uh, they are the first brothers to form a battery since Larry and Norm Sherry for the Dodgers uh, on June 28th, 1962 against the Mets. Uh, so Bryce, I'm going to throw this one to you of any pair of brothers. We know who do you think would be the best pitcher catcher duo? I mean, it's an easy choice if it's softball. It'd be you. You're right. Thanks, Bryce. You know what? I don't even need to rethink the question. Matt just gave me the confidence boost I need to get through the rest of the podcast. Uh, if it was baseball, I would probably go with – this is a tough one. Um, who, who do I kind of trust? On... Not Lebo. Give me the coaching brothers. I was thinking the coachings. I trust them both. Trust them both. And Jacob brings the heat and John's not afraid to catch a fastball. Or, you know, you know, it'd be a scary one. You do a nice uh, Bennett Zach pulling combo. We love the intensity and the craziness. Um, my last, my last two players of the week. Uh, one, both guys that we've seen a while. Adam Wainwright this week threw a shutout. Also, Chase, they, the, uh, the Romine brothers were the 16th. 16th. Thank you. Thank you for the research there. I appreciate it. Uh, Adam Wainwright this week threw a shutout and a four nothing win against the Pirates of PNC Park, 88 pitches, two hits and an RBI of his own. As I was typing it to you, you texted me saying, make sure Wainwright is one of your players of the week. Uh, 27th career complete game, the most among the active pictures uh, on the third of the season. It was his 11th, his 11th career shutout in the first since 2016 and his first career Maddox, which is a shutout with under hundred pitches. Uh, it was the first Maddox for, by a Cardinal since Chris Carpenter in September, 2011. And the second fewest pitches by a Cardinal starter in a nine inning shutout since pitch tracking began in 1988 at age 40. Wainwright is the second oldest pitcher behind Jamie Moore to throw a Maddox since 1988. If I were to tell you this year that, Adam Wainwright would have three complete games and a shutout at age 40. What would the Bavada odds have been coming into the year for that? They would have been probably plus a thousand. I guess three is a lot, maybe plus 1250. Cause at the end of the day, I mean, epitomized by this performance, Adam Wainwright knows how to pitch. He does not have the best stuff anymore. Maybe he never had the best stuff. That's a guy you trust on the mound every fifth day. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if he's back next year. If he wants to come back, the Cardinals will bring him back. He'll go year to year with the Cardinals. I mean, look, he's got an ERA under 3-3. Three, three, three complete games, a shutout. That's a guy you bring back. Uh, another guy, veteran, all-star. This guy's a future All-Famer. Miggy hit at Homer 499 last week, which got me thinking 500th home run could come as soon as this week. He's going to have 3,000 hits soon as well. Um, of our generation of guys that we watch play on a consistent basis, where does Miggy rank for you on the list of the greatest right-handed hitters? I mean, you can make a Casey's one. I actually might make that Casey's one right now. He's four for me. Who do you have ahead of him? Part of this also, when I say this question, I also mean like the swing itself. Um, I have Miggy four. I have Albert three. Mm -hmm. I have A-Rod two. Yeah. And then the guy I have one is the guy I think ultimately was the most gifted right-handed hitter that you and I ever will see, Manny Ramirez. Manny? Yeah. yeah. That's fine. I'm going to give it to Miggy as the one because I don't 
Miggy has four batting titles. He's got four batting titles. What Albert have one, two maybe? I would I would have to check. And you never heard a single. I mean, you can eliminate if you're. I mean, I won't do this, but if you want to eliminate Manny and Arod because of steroids, that's fine. Um, Albert has one batting title. But Miggy had four batting titles and won the triple crown. Give it to him. I think regardless, that's the consensus big four. Um, well, there's there's another name on that list. I don't know. If, where do you put Trout? I don't put Trout up there yet. I mean, if Trout, Trout walks into the Hall of Fame, if he retires tomorrow. I agree, but I wouldn't put him up with those big four yet. He's missing a batting title. Missing a batting title. And uh, those other three guys also all have rings. They do. And if nothing else, even – I mean, Chad has done absolutely nothing in the playoffs. Nothing. They at least have – they all have postseason wins. Yep. Trout is three games. They've won a postseason game. Trout got swept by a Baltimore Orioles team that had Wee HN and Chris. They Dolan. got swept by the Royals. I'm positive they lost to the Royals. Still bad. Still bad. You think? I'm actually fact-checking that. Yeah, because that Orioles team beat a Tigers team with three Cy Young winners. You're right. The Orioles. Yep. Okay. Well played. Moving along now. Uh, last play, last player of the week is not a player. It's a game of the week. Uh, when we recorded last Monday, the Yankees Royals game, uh, was one of the craziest baseball games I've ever seen. Uh, DJ LeMayu and Brett Gardner wrote the 11th inning hits for the final blows of a hard fought eight, six win at Yankee at Coffin stadium for the Yankees over the Royals. Uh, it was the first game in major league history in which both teams scored in the seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, and 11th innings. Kansas city became the first team in the modern era to erase deficits in the seventh, eighth, ninth, and 10th innings. Four Yankee relief pitchers were charged with blown saves. Uh, the second team to do so since the Astros in September 95. Did you watch this game? Because this, to me, was just, even for a year of crazy, insufferable Yankee performances, this one may have been near the top for me. Uh, Harvey gave up another home run. And, no, I went to bed early. You were smart. It, it felt like a West Coast game after I was that tired. Yeah, I'm, I'm an old man. So the Bavada odds of any pitcher in their career throwing a no-hitter are very, very slim. Um, and for a guy to do it in his first major league start, it's pretty much near impossible. Uh, the only three guys prior to the last week that did it were Bobo Holman in 1953, Bumpus Jones in 1892, and Theodore Bredenstein in 1891. So before we get into what happened... I mean, is have we ever discussed a better trio of names than Bumpus, Bobo, and Theodore? Bumpus, Bobo, and Ted. They sound like a clown convention. Or maybe like a barbershop quartet, uh, even though there's three of them, so barbershop trio. Uh, last year, Tyler Gilbert was working as an electrician with his father to make end meets, ends meet in Northern California with the minor league season canceled. And on Saturday night at Chase Field, the left-hander etched himself into the record books Throwing a no-hitter for the D-backs in his first big league start in a 7-0 victory over the Padres. Uh, Gilbert allowed three walks in the game, all to leadoff hitter Tommy Pham while striking out five and throwing 102 pitches. At 27 years old, as we said, he became just the fourth pitcher to throw a no-hitter in his first career start. It was the third no-hitter in D-backs history, joining Randy Johnson's perfect game in 2004 and Edwin Jackson's no-hitter in 2010. 
but this was the first D-backs pitcher to throw a no-hitter at home in Chase Field. It was the eighth major league no-hitter this year, matching 1884 for the most in a year in American National League history. That does not include Mad Bum's seven-inning complete game uh, no-hitter in April against Atlanta, so eight, nine, depending on your view of the doubleheader rules. Gilbert became the 24th rookie to throw a no-hitter. Uh, his story's pretty amazing. He was dealt to the Dodgers in February 2020 from the Phillies organization. The D-backs selected him in the AAA portion of the Rule 5 draft in December. Uh, he had made three relief appearances uh, this year, including his big league debut August 3rd, and was named to start Saturday's game after the D-backs removed Caleb Smith from the rotation. Walked fam to open the game, then sit down eight in a row before he walks fam again. Uh, the Padres did hit hard did hit balls hard off of Gilbert 10 that registered at least 95 miles per hour, but they were hit right at uh, Arizona defenders. Tori Lovello. He was very, very nervous about the pitch count. They had decided that he was going to throw 85 pitches today maximum. Uh, but when he carried the no hitter deeper into the game, uh, ultimately he was aided when in the eighth inning, he was sitting at 88 pitches. Uh, he had a three pitch inning. Two of the balls were hit to the warning track, 91 pitches going into the ninth strikes out Trent Grisham and Hassan Kim looking, Tommy Fan limes out to center field. All in all, just an awesome performance there. Uh, the D-backs were 43 games under 500, which is the worst mark ever by an NL team entering a no-no, according to stats. Uh, Joe Musgrove was the Padres' starter this game. He became the 12th pitcher in the first since Jake Arrieta in 2015 to throw a no-hitter and have one thrown against him in a season. Uh, Taylor Gilbert can do nothing else the rest of his career, and he is now etched into the record books forever. Uh, what were your thoughts on what I thought – of all the no-hitters this year, this one definitely came out of left field the most. Yeah, this one definitely did. It, we were watching the game. I think Musgrove gave up five runs on the first. So we stopped following the game. And because, you know, Musgrove gave up five that early. The Padres in complete free-fall mode. Then I got a notification around the seventh that this Gilbert guy was – and giving up a hit. So it was, it was fun to watch. It's That's kind of why – isn't that why you go to baseball games when your team is that bad? To hope you can see something historical like that. So good for all those Diamondbacks fans. I'd say they're the big winners in all this because that has this has been a very, very, very long season in the desert. And I want to give a shout out to uh, Taylor Gilbert's father, who was uh, you know imagine being in the ballpark to I keep saying Taylor Gilbert. Meanwhile, his name is Tyler Gilbert. That just shows how off the radar Tyler Gilbert's been this year. Um, I can only imagine what it's like to not only be in the ballpark for your son's first major league start, but to see that being, be a no hitter, uh, that's stuff that that's storybook stuff that you can't even write in Hollywood. No, it's crazy. It doesn't, it's a, it's a plot that gets rejected for being too sensational. So it's Steve unrealistic. Guys. Like, who is this guy? He's really just, who is it? So I just, it, it was a good day. It was good to watch. Good, good. Good, um, good old baseball. So speaking of storybook in Hollywood, uh, the Field of Dreams game was this week. It was in Iowa, uh, near the site of where the film Field of Dreams was filmed. Well, where, Jesus, near the site of where Field of Dreams was filled, filmed over 32 years ago. Kevin Costner starts the game walking onto the field. Um, and he said, 30 years ago, on the other side of the corn, we filled the movie that stood the test of time. Tonight, thanks to the enduring impact that little movie had, it has allowed us to come here again on a field that Major League Baseball made. We came to see a first-place White Sox against the mighty Yankees in a field that was once corn. It's perfect. Uh, he also settled the debate that it is have a catch, not let's play catch. 
uh, to all my Midwest friends. That's a dispute we've had a lot. Um, but you mentioned you didn't really watch the game. You just watched the pregame. Uh, or maybe someone else mentioned that to me. And I'm just trying to I, I ended up going out. During the, I went out before the end of the game. I caught, I caught the Yankees go ahead. All right. Well, hold that thought. Um, but the pregame experience, I mean, uh, Kevin Costner coming and giving the speech, seeing Giancarlo Stanton walking around with corn in his back pockets, the players coming from the cornfield. I, I always like to say I like to give Manfred credit where credit's due. Major League Baseball knocked it out of the park with this one. And I think that's a big reason why this was the highest rated regular season game in 15 years. Uh, and the fact what was that the highest rated game before this that I didn't read. Um, but I think there's also a big reason why Manfred already committed to going back next year. Uh, so before the game even started, you have all these theatrics. Tony LaRusso was not managing this game. Miguel Cairo was managing for the White Sox. Uh, LaRusso had a death in the family, had to attend the funeral, which is ironic because Tony LaRusso probably played with some of the guys. Uh, that were featured in the film Field of Dreams. So the fact that he wasn't there, a uh, bit of a bummer, would have been a homecoming of sorts for him. Uh, but the game itself absolutely lived up to the hype. Uh, Aaron Judge homer twice. Giancarlo Stanton hits a go-ahead blast in the ninth inning. But the Yankees absorbed yet another heartbreaking blow in a season that has seen far too many with Zach Britton serving up Tim Anderson's walk-off home run as the Yankees fell 9-8 to the White Sox on Thursday in the first ALNL game in Iowa. Uh, the Yankees trail by three runs going into the ninth. If you were on Bavada during this, the odds would have been probably plus a thousand for the Yankees. Honestly, down three, Liam Hendricks is on the mound. Uh, Tyler Wade singles judge hits a two run Homer um, with two outs. It was a five RBI night for Aaron judge, a second Homer of the night. Joey Gallo walks Giancarlo Stanton hits a home run to left. He, uh, the Yankees are going berserk. I'm in my house coming back from dinner. I'm going berserk. Uh, but Zach Britton comes in, one out walk to the nine hitter, <coughs> and then as only Tim Anderson could do, he hits an absolute bomb for a walk off and said afterwards, it's over. Once I made contact, I knew it was over. I knew it was out. Anderson said, these moments you want to be in, these big games like this, this is the time to show up. Uh, each side homered four times. Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, and Sebi Zavala all homered for the White Sox with the Braves' first inning homer marked by the first, uh, marked by being the first ALNL homer ever hit in Iowa. Also tied him with Hall of Famer Harold Baines for third place on the franchise's all-time list. He ended up passing that later on in the weekend. Uh, Andrew Haney, not great for the Yankees. They hit those three homers off of him. Uh, he ended up giving seven runs total. Uh, not great for Andrew Haney. Uh, but of all of this, I think the craziest thing, you know, the Tim Anderson home run, you can't draw this up. But even more so, this was the 15th walk-off homer ever by the White Sox against the Yankees. And the first was Shoeless Joe Jackson in July 1919. Can't make this stuff up. I think the Field of Dreams game, granted the game itself was incredible, uh, but I think the overall experience was a smashing success for Major League Baseball. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game? I think we're going next year. I'm in. If you build it, Chase and Bryce will come. Also, the uh, 05 game was Yankees-Red Sox on October 1st. Okay, good research. The Yankees had Randy Johnson pitching. And who do you think pitched for the Red Sox, Chase? I forget what we're looking up, to be honest. Remind me. Which game was the, the highest-rated regular season game? Oh, had to be Schilling, Schilling or Pedro. Wasn't Schilling or Pedro. Wakefield? It was Wakefield. Knuckleball Timmy. Big unit. Got the win. Yeah, I, I would love to go to that game next year. 
this was just uh, this was Major League Baseball put on a show. They advertised it right. The throwback jerseys were great, tasteful. This this was a ten out of ten, and it would be awesome to see if they do this for future sites. Maybe do a Sandlot game. Maybe do a Bird Durham game in North Carolina. They've done the Little League. The Bird Durham game is super easy to pull off. That it's, one's just, really easy. it's just stuff like this. And obviously you don't need to be, build a field in a cornfield, but it's like stuff like this where you tap into the pop culture lexicon. That's such an easy, cheap way to connect with fans and ultimately boost ratings. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy. There's so baseball has so many games. It's the sport that they could be doing. They can really be doing this all. And I they have to the Williams sports series and they, uh, like, that's fun, easy, enjoyable for everyone. Just find more easy PR ones which Manfred used to be allergic to, but it seems like he's coming around. Sometimes you got to make it easy on yourself. And I have to give a shout out to MLB.com Yankee beat writer, Brian Hawk. Uh, he was fought, supposed to fly from Newark to Chicago the night before the game. His flight got canceled. So he drove 1600 miles straight to Iowa. Uh, he slept three hours at a rest stop in Ohio. He said he was not missing this game. I've been waiting two years for that. Uh, Brian Hawk, you are the Terrence man of this. You're the moonlight Graham way to get there. Uh, and be able to take in what so far has been a once in a lifetime experience. But yeah, I can't imagine driving 1600 miles period, uh, let alone in about an 18 hour stretch. Yeah. I mean, he's going fast. He crushed it though. I've done the Chicago to New York. I mean, did he do that without any company? Drove solo. That's not easy. It's unbelievable. That is not easy. Transitioning from the Field of Dreams game uh, to a guy who has had his fair share of big moments with the San Francisco Giants. And if you had said before the year, especially given that the Giants have money to spend and there's an epic free agent shortstop uh, class coming up, if you had said the Giants fans before the year uh, that they were going to sign Brandon Crawford to a two-year extension, uh, the Bavada odds would have been very low and they would have said, you are crazy. But here we are, Crawford and the Giants agreed to a two-year, $32 million deal, $60 million a year for 2022 and 2023. Three-time All-Star, been slated to reach free agency at the end of the season. Uh, he turned 35 years old in January. Uh, the Giants selected him in the fourth round of the 2008 draft at UCLA. He's a starting shortstop on the Giants' 2012 and 2014 World Series teams. Um, this year, he looks like he's absolutely back, entering Friday in the extension, 296, 364, 540 slash line. 19 home runs over 371 plate appearances, which especially considering last year, he had 256, 326, 465, 228, 304, 350 in 2019. Uh, this came out of nowhere, but credit to Crawford, 139 WRC plus 39% points, percentage points more productive than the league average hitter. Um, and that is the number 27 mark among 282 hitters this year with 200 plus plate appearances at shortstop. Only Tatis has a higher mark there. His 44% hard contact rate is his bets since 2015 and up nearly 10 percentage points from 2017 to 2019. Defensively, still a stud, three-time Gold Glove, Gold Glove Award winner, 10 outs above average this season, which trails only Nick Ahmed, Lindor, Matt Chapman, Nicky Lopez, and Anderson Simmons among shortstops. Uh, and again, Longoria, Tommy Listella, Jake McGee, they're the only players with guaranteed contracts on the books next season. So given that the, Dodge, or the Giants payroll, I just pulled the U there, uh, has been up near $200 million uh, the past couple years. Uh, they'll still have money to spend. And ultimately, look, uh, do I think Brandon Crawford's going to do this the next two years? No, but uh, this is a guy who's been a face of the franchise throughout this run, along with Belt and Posey. Uh, and I think ultimately you're rewarding a homegrown talent, and this was a pretty fair deal for both sides. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Brandon Crawford extension? 
Yeah, I think you nailed it. It was a fair deal for both sides. I think both sides can come away super happy with this one. So no, no one and the Giants. I think this is a precursor to moves to come because there's no way the Giants can look at their roster despite the record and think they're better than the Dodgers. Did I mess that up again? The Giants can't look at their roster and think they're better than the Dodgers. So I do think the Giants, you know, we spoke about it. I, I don't think they make that trade for Chris Bryant unless they're fairly confident they're going to resign him, which I'm fairly confident they're going to resign him. Do you think I am they, also fairly confident? Do you think there's a scenario where even though they have Crawford, maybe they go after Trevor Story, put him at second for two years, and then he takes over in short afterwards? And Trevor Story in this case could be Seeger, Correa, any of the shortstops. I mean, it's certainly possible because that's what this move allows them to do. That's the point. That's why you bring you bring a guy, Brandon Crawford, talent back at this deal, so you can have that perennial All Star talent. You can surround him with perennial All Stars. Brandon Crawford's not good enough to be the best player on a championship team, but if Brandon, but as he's proven, he can be the starting shortstop on a World Series World Series champion, a leader in the clubhouse. Good complimentary piece. And when Brandon Crawford's time with the Giants is extended. Another all-star from the 2010s announced his retirement. Chris Davis announced his retirement this past week um, after, do I say how many years with the Orioles? I'm going to say after a decade or so with the Orioles. Uh, the announcement came at a time when Davis still has one year remaining on his franchise record, seven-year, $161 million contract he signed with the Orioles in the 2015-16 offseason. That contract called for $23 million to be paid to Davis next year. Uh, he's agreed to some form of restructuring, though, per, per John Heyman. His deferral-laden contract had originally pushed out $6 million of his $23 million salary each year into $3.5 million payments on July 1st from 2023 to 2032 and $1.4 million from July 1st from 2033 to 37. Uh, there's no change to his 2021 salary and deferrals, but the size of his 2022 deferral will increase from the previously scheduled $6 million mark, and he will now have about half of next year's salary deferred and paid out over the next three years, further stripping down the payroll in 2022. Uh, he will still get the full $23 million, albeit a little bit more slowly than the Orioles uh, called for. And he will also retain his benefits and insurance with the Orioles through the 2022 season. Uh, Davis, when they signed this extension, uh, was one of the premier sluggers in baseball. He led the majors twice in home runs, 53 in 2013 and 47 in 2015, and was baseball's top home run hitter by a wide margin in the four years leading up to that contract. From 2012 to 15, his 159 home runs was eight more than Edwin Encarnacion, who was in second place. Um, but strikeouts were always a clear concern. Uh, in 2014, he hit 196, 304 while fanning 33% of his plate appearances, but rebounded in 2015, led the league with 47 homers, hit 262, 351, 562. And in the first season of his contract, Davis hit 38 home runs, hit 221, 332, 459, 2017 onwards. Uh, he hasn't hit above 200 or posted an OBP above 300 and his hip condition prevented him from taking the field at all in 2021 uh, on the whole, since the extension, he hit 196, 291, 379 uh, forearm oblique back and knee injuries. Ultimately he went arth He underwent arthroscopic hip surgery earlier this season in hopes of putting the issues behind him, but it was determined his hip condition was degenerative, which means that there was little to no chance of him returning the condition necessary to take the field. Uh, I mean, look, Davis, a lot of goods and bads. Um, during his peak, he had 249, 345, 18. He hit all the home runs uh, for his career, retires, 295 home runs, all-star, silver slugger, finished third in the 2013 MVP voting career, 233, 315, 459 hitter. 
Uh, what do you remember more about Chris Davis, the guy who over that three-year stretch was one of the most fearsome left-handed hitters, maybe that we've ever seen over a three-year stretch, uh, or the guy who didn't hit over 200 for four years and ultimately at one point had a 52 at-bat hitless streak? Do you remember the highs or the lows pretty much more? I, I Unfortunately, I remember the lows. I mean, it's if you're not an Orioles fan, and even if you are an Orioles fan, I feel like it's way easier to I'm looking over Chris Davis's baseball reference now. How in the world did the Orioles give this guy that contract? Two, in 2014, he batted 196. How do you get $161 million two seasons later? I mean, even with the huge home run totals from 2012 to 20. 2013 was a legit MVP caliber season. 2012 to 2015, he was averaging 187 strikeouts. And again, hit 256, 136 OPS plus. I, I don't know. I wouldn't have given it out, obviously. I'm glad to see that I was right that he spent a decade in Baltimore. And that's just me patting myself on the back. Um, look, given the fact that Manny Machado couldn't re-sign because of all this money they had tied up in Davis and the fact that he hit under 200 with an on-base percentage, right around or below 300 every year of that extension. Uh, where does this rank in terms of the worst contracts in baseball in the past decade? I would say it's the worst one because I know you hate the Ellsbury contract. And until you die, you're going to be ripping on the Ellsbury contract. Um, but the Yankees can't really give out a bad contract because they're the Yankees. And teams like the Angels, I mean, you could say the Pools contract's bad. They you can could afford even- to give it out, though. I agree. You can afford these are this contract killed the franchise. This is a franchise murdering contract. I just remember I'll remember Chris Davis for a few things. One, I had him in fantasy that year on the 53 homer year, so I'm always thankful for that. Two, I will remember him because he was an all time nuke packer. Nuke packer. He would have huge. I he seems like a great guy. Everything I read about him, everything he's saying. I think he's still going to do work for Baltimore Charities. He's Three-time gonna, Roberto Clemente Award nominee for the team. Like, an all-around great dude. Just really got bad at baseball towards the end. Yeah, I'm going to try well, to remember. Oh, the, he um, led the league in strikeouts in 2015, and the Orioles still gave him back. Don't, remember, don't forget the fact that he uh, also got an 80-game suspension very low-key. For what? Adderall. Oh, boy. He, like, had a prescription until he didn't have a prescription. So he was, like, going around colleges trying to score Adderall off some guy? I, I can't speak to that. But Chris Davis, through the good and bad, congratulations on your major league career. Going to Hopkins? Good luck in retirement. We're rooting for you uh, with your hip injury. Um, tough couple days for guys who peaked in 2015. Uh, that was when Chris Davis was mashing bombs, and Jake Arrieta was winning Cy Young's. Uh, this year, he had gotten off to a nice start, working to a 2.57 ERA through April 25th. Uh, but since then, he has given up 58 home runs and 58 and a third innings pitched in that time. Opponents racked up 91 hits, including 19 home runs. And in his last start with the Cubs, he gave up seven runs in the first innings and departed after four frames with eight, bre- eight Brewers runs on the board. Uh, Arietta- Jason, I, think, I think you said he got, gave up 58 home runs. 58 runs, 19 home runs. Thank you for thank you for paying attention there. I heard that and was like, what? Uh, even though the Cubs are rebuilding and they only signed Arietta to a one-year $6 million deal, based on the performance since April 25th, the Cubs placed him on unconditional release waivers this week, uh, and he then hit free agency. Arietta's fastball sitting at a career-low 90.8 miles per hour there. 
Uh, he was still owed the balance of the salary, but uh, again, as great as Arietta was from the peak with the Cubs, 2014 to 16, 50 and 19, 242 ERA and 89 starts, uh, 253 ERA, 25 games in 2014, and then again, the 22 win Cy Young year in 2015 with a 177 ERA. Despite all that, they still let Arietta go. Didn't even think he could be a locker room presence. And the Padres signed him today, and he is starting for the Padres on Wednesday. Uh, so my first question is, I got a few questions. Question one is, given the team is rebuilding, how hard do you think it was to let Jed Hoyer, to have Jed Hoyer let go of Arietta? Uh, really is one of the final pieces left that was still around from that 2015 team, even 2016 team, excuse me, even though we went to Philly in between. So that's question one on Arietta. Well, Jake Arietta had an ERA about of about nine. I don't think it was that hard. It is certainly easier to let someone go once that happens. Uh, question two, if you are a Padres fan and you are so low on pitching with you Darvish on the injured list now that you're going out and signing Jake Arrieta, at what point are you thinking to yourself, uh-oh, the Reds might catch us and we're in big, big trouble here down the stretch? I mean, what else are they going to – I mean, that, that's a – I wouldn't be super stoked. Um, I feel like you can kind of – you you can spin this if you need to as a Padres fan. Because that our, we have a big ballpark. I guess that's the first thing you have to tell yourself. Um, and then realize that this is a short-term solution. It's not a long-term fix for the franchise. Um. He was, he's just supposed to be there until Darvish gets back. Here's my, final, up, he can go. here's my final area to question. And it's something you and I talked about on our way to dinner the other day. Uh, when our friend Dylan was absolutely slandering Zach Greinke by refusing him to include him in the top 10 pitchers of our generation. Uh, he brought up Jacob DeGrom and how DeGrom had to be in there because of how dominant the stretch has been this year. Uh, and we both mentioned, yes, it's been historically good, but it was a 15 start stretch. Um, so I'll ask you this. Where does Arietta's second half in 2015 when he cruised to the Cy Young with that .77 ERA rank in terms of the most dominant halves of baseball you've ever seen for a pitcher? Uh, and ultimately, do you think that was more dominant than what DeGrom did this season? No. What DeGrom did this season was I – mean, there was a stretch when – I think it was, when, when did DeGrom's ERA go above one? I don't know, but it was. Arietta's was .77. I'm just saying. I mean, if he, yeah, the ERA of 0.77. I, I think the, I think of the Arietta half of baseball. I think it's the best because that's his, that is so clearly his peak, and there's nothing else. He was good in 16, but this was just clearly this guy's peak. This guy just put it all together for four months down the stretch. You know what? I don't think it's nearly talked about or talked about nearly enough from that Arietta Cy Young year. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about other dominant halves of pitching. Because I had a good one. You all right, do your other half of pitching, and then I'll give my tidbit. Ubaldo Jimenez that had that crazy first half of the season. He went fifteen and one, and the fact that he ended up not winning the Cy Young in two thousand seven. I mean, Jake Peavy ended up ultimately winning the triple crown. It wasn't. What, I got to get the year on that. Yeah, but it was Ubaldo after was, Ubaldo was fifteen and one in two thousand seven, and Peavy. It was. It was twenty ten. Twenty ten. Yeah. The 2010 NL Cy Young was Holiday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. How do you start 15 and one with an ERA that low and not win the Cy Young? That's kind of embarrassing for Ubaldo. Yeah, I'm gonna this. Um, yeah, Ubaldo Jimenez 
Well, when Chase calls in sick one week, that that might be a big week for Ubaldo Jimenez fans. Prince Fielder, Ubaldo Jimenez hour. Yeah, if, it's, if we're getting both in there, it might be two hours. So to bring this whole discussion on Arietta full circle, I just mentioned Zach Greinke. Isn't it amazing that Arietta that year had a one seven seven ERA and didn't lead the National League in ERA? Oh, was that the year Greinke was incredible? Greinke had a one six three ERA. So for context, just to paint a picture of how good Arietta was that year. Greinke was 19 and three with a 1.66 ERA, led the league with a 0.844 WHIP, struck out 200 guys, and finished ultimately. I was going to say a distant second in the Cy Young vote, but Arietta only won by 22 points. But still, that should tell you how dominant Arietta was in the second half. That Greinke did that and only got 10 of the 30 first place votes. It's a tough break for Greinke. Kershaw. Two- Kershaw in third place is like. Kershaw in third place that year for context, 213 ERA and 301 strikeouts and finished a distant third. I like that. There's not a whole lot of analysis I can do on that because it's uh, – that's nuts. Meanwhile, I just want to point out the Yankees just had base and loaded no outs and proceeded to not score. I'm looking at Ubaldo's – I'm trying to find – I got the Ubaldo game log. It's not, it's hard to follow. It is, <laughs> I'm having a hard time following the game log, Chase. Do you want this one is 60, all right. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm just going to give you what the, uh, in the first half, Ubaldo was 15 and one with the 2 2 ERA and 113 strikeouts. And in the second half, four and seven, 380 ERA, 101 strikeouts. Still for the year, finished. What with nine was what nineteen and seven with a two eight eight ERA and two hundred fourteen strikeouts, so still had a good year. Didn't even finish second in the Cy Young vote. Yeah, it was a good year for Ubaldo uh, Jimenez. To tie it together, you know who finished second that year? Big callback show this week. Wait, 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 wait! To tie twenty ten and us just a callback. Callback to what we talked about so far. Oh boy. 2010, NL Cy Young. Someone we talked about already. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Wainwright? Adam Bueno, Bueno, Wainwright. 10 years apart, crushing it for the Cardinals. 11 years apart. Wainwright wasn't there in 2011, which is probably going to be – that missing 2011 might keep him out of Cooperstown. He'll be close, but I think you can't have Adam Wayne right in and not have Chris Carpenter in. That's my thought. I agree. Uh, moving to some media news, uh, Andrew Marchant of the New York Post reported last week that Major League Baseball and Barstool Sports have had significant negotiations about having national midweek games on the site's platforms. Uh, discussions are what Barstool founder Dave Portnoy was referring to when he mentioned his companies had talks with major leagues. MLB and Barstool potentially could team up to create a new type of broadcast with focus on in-game gambling. Uh, the talks have started recently, and while they have picked up stream steam, an agreement is not yet a certainty, with one source deeming it 50-50. MLB and Barstool declined to comment. Uh, Major League Baseball currently has national TV deals with Fox, Turner, and ESPN. As part of its new ESPN contract that begins next year, the network drops regular non-exclusive Monday and Wednesday games, leaving MLB trying to find a buyer uh, for that inventor- inventory. Uh, Barstool in this case sticks out because it is connection to a younger audience. MLB craves 
craves, craves, craves the younger audience. It could possibly create buzz with this alternative delivery approach. Uh, Barstool would be expected to deliver the games throughout its website, Instagram, and Twitter accounts, amongst uh, others. And again, doing business with Barstool could come with controversy as Barstool has been accused of being misogynistic, uh, but it has been embraced by many top major leaguers. Some of the top baseball podcasts, uh, Jared Caribbis doing starting nine with Dallas Braden. You got Hubs doing the short porch, the, Yan- uh, the New York Yankees podcast. Um, Bryce Harper is a big Barstool guy. Uh, so it is a popular choice among players. And if the games are non-exclusive, Barstool wouldn't have to do the production as it could take feeds from the regional sports networks and could produce its own non-traditional gambling focused broadcast without a play-by-play voice and analysis could feature Portnoy, big cat for Yankees game hubs, etc. cetera. Uh, could basically give a huge local fan, local flavor for fans um, whose traditional approach would also not be disrupted because they could watch it on their local broadcasts as well. Uh, unsurprisingly, when this tweeted, People, when this went public, people absolutely lost their minds. Women didn't like it. Um, I know a lot of older baseball writers didn't like it who don't get the Barstool vibe. And I get all the criticisms for this 100%. I know Barstool is not for everyone. Uh, But if Major League Baseball is trying to grow the game amongst the youth and bring young people into the game, I think this would be a slam dunk television move uh, from a revenue standpoint. Yeah, I mean, this is a... From the, everything you said about it from a financial and a revenue standpoint, this makes sense to grow the game, get people watch. If people don't watch baseball because they get bored watching baseball, you know, it's that simple. That's why kids don't watch baseball. Uh, but if you get your fun barstool personalities opposed to your Michael Case or John Sterling to the world, that's something that's a new that's a new look. That would be something. And it's not like, I mean, I don't. I, I don't really love this from the barstool. I don't know what barstool has to gain here other than getting access to live sports. People still tune into. Um, I'd say the timing of this, not I. The, I mean, the Bauer. Are we going to talk touch on the Bauer thing later, or is this going to be my Bauer? That's going to be our next topic, actually. Um, I was going to say, look, given everything that's going on with Trevor Bauer right now, uh, and the reputation, and Bar- barstool does, barstool has a bad reputation, deservedly so. Uh, there's Dave Portnoy, not. Dave Porter, good businessman, not a great dude. Uh, to be to be frank, he's just he's. There's a reason that women are are upset by this potential partnership. Um, so he's doing this, is coming and going public with this agreement or these talks when your reigning Cy Young winner is in court for a sexual assault case. Best timing from an optics point of view, no. But these issues are going to come up regardless when you get in business with Barnes. So I agree with everything you just said. The post said 50-50 shot. Uh, given all the barstool controversies and the timing of it, what would you say are your Bavada odds that this deal actually actually comes to fruition, uh, given the early outcry from the news? It'll come through. I, I would if Bavada gives you anything close to even take it. Okay, I can live with that. Uh, and you mentioned Trevor Bauer. Um, he actually showed up in court today. Uh, they tried to get the court 
hearing pushed back again. The judge said no. Uh, and this comes on the heels of a Washington Post article that said he was given a temporary order of protection last year after allegedly physically abusing an Ohio woman and making a death threat towards her. According to sealed court records and other documentation obtained by the Post, the woman says Bauer punched and choked her without her consent while they were having sex. He also allegedly sent her a text message from a phone number known to be registered to Bauer saying he doesn't feel like spending time in jail for killing someone. And that's what would happen if I ever saw you again. Uh, this prompted the woman to seek the protective order in June 2020, and the Ohio order came out of an ex parte proceeding, as did the order of Bowers' case with the woman in California, meaning it was used without a hearing from the other side. According to a police report obtained by the Post, the woman attempted in 2017 to show police photographs of injuries to her eyes, but that she was instead arrested for underage drinking. The Post, which did not disclose the woman's age, obtained photographs showing bruises on her face and blood in her eyes. The police report did not indicate whether the women's allegations were investigated according to the Post. Bauer tweeted Saturday to dispute the, dispute the Post report, saying that the newspaper was intended to create a false narrative by contacting his female friends and acquaintances. Despite my representative providing a wealth of contradictory evidence, documents, statements, and background information showing the pattern of disturbing behavior by the women and her attorneys, the Washington Post opted to ignore much of this information and to run a salacious story, disseminating defamatory statements, false information, and baseless allegations, Bauer wrote. Bauer said the woman harassed, physically assaulted him, and also tried to extort me for millions of dollars last year in exchange for her not coming forward with these claims. Look, I get it. Do I think Bauer, who knows what's going on with Bauer? This guy from the get-go, as much as I liked him and what he stood for for baseball the past few years, sticking up against the owners and the Astros, this guy's got a bad track record. So I'm obviously going to, I'm signing with the victims here regardless, but in Bauer's case especially, going to side with them even more even if this was consensual, to me, the craziest part is that Bauer thinks it's still okay to basically beat the shit out of these women in bed. Um, it's terrible for any person, let alone a guy who is in the public eye. And, and I think ultimately, no matter what happens in this case, Bauer's reputation is so destroyed that he's never going to pitch again in Major League Baseball. Deservedly so, in my mind. Yeah, I'll say the same thing I say every time this comes up. He should probably be in jail and needs professional help because you can't have human beings behave this way. It's not really a baseball issue. Um, but if he was in a, if I, if I was in a position to ban him from my company, I would stay as far away from this guy as possible. Um, not even getting into this act in particular, he, his character has been of concern his entire career. He seems like he's just, but this is just a different level. This is really bad. This is just not, this is just get help, Trevor. Get he needs help and needs to be removed. And that's why jail exists. Jail exists to remove people like this from society. Send him. Do you think even if Bauer uh, is ruled innocent and gets off in court, that Manfred is going to issue a suspension of some kind? I mean, do I think he is? Yeah, I. I don't. I don't think there's any chance Trevor Bauer pitches again. Okay, I can live Regardless with that. what happens in court today, I don't think Trevor Bauer will throw a pitch. The remain. I honestly, I don't think he's ever going to pitch again because I don't know how you can bring him. I don't know how you can justify bringing him into your fan base. I don't know what. I don't know. How you, can, you can't give. I don't know who would feel good about cutting checks to this guy. You can't have women and children in the stands with Trevor Bauer on your roster. Correct. You can't even have men in the stands. You can't have. You can't promote baseball as an entertainment product. You can't promote this guy. You can't promote this sort of behavior. You can't profit off this sort of behavior. 
Yep, I'm with you. I don't think Bauer will pitch again this year. Other guys are in jeopardy of not playing again this year because they are on the injured list. Carlos Rodon, 10-day injured list, retroactive to August 8th due to left shoulder fatigue. I really hope Rodon gets healthy because he's been so fun to watch this year. It's been an epic comeback story, so I'm rooting for him. Uh, I would also love to see him pitch in the playoffs for the White Sox, even if it's against the Yankees. Mets pair of injuries, Javi Baez, 10-day injury list, retroactive to August 12th with back spasms. Jacob deGrom shut down for another two weeks at this point with a, another issue with elbow infl- inflammation. Uh, at this point, similar to Bauer, do you think Jacob deGrom is going to pitch this year? I mean, not similar to Bauer, obviously different circumstances, but you know what I was trying to get at there. I don't think that. I, I just think by the time the Mets are done with this West Coast trip, they will be so far out of it. that It's why not that's worth like- it. Juice would not be worth the squeeze there. Uh, Mookie Betts, 10-day injury list with a right hip injury. Uh, Dave Roberts said that he could need uh, surgery to fully correct the injury, but they're looking to hold that off until the offseason. Uh, Severino, he's met an MRI doctor today for an MRI. Uh, after he didn't pitch in a rehab game this weekend, he said his shoulder feels tight. Uh, the message so far is that there was precautionary MRI, but there's clearly concern. Aaron Boone did not reveal the results. Uh, Severino, another guy, should we just at this point expect that he will not pitch this year? Yeah, I mean, and I don't, I'm checking the notes. Severino is one guy that's after the season, and uh, I don't know if you've been paying attention. We'll have more updates on this next week. Uh, is Clint Frazier ever going to play again? He just got moved to the 68 injured list. The thing with Clint that's so frustrating and confusing is there's just no definitive injury that's ever released. He's just hurt. Yeah, I I think he needs another. I, I think he and the game, hopefully everything gets is okay and he can play again. Uh, but I think his time with the Yankees is done. I think he's just clean start for both. He needs a change of scenery for sure. Uh, Julio Urias, 10-day IL due to a left calf contusion. He took a liner off the calf. Should be fine after the minimum 10 days. Uh, the injury I want to circle back to real quick is Mookie Betts. You know, Mookie's only 28 years old. He's in 278, 378, 521 this year, 143 WRC+, plus, which for him is a down year. But he's in 373 since the start of July. But hip surgery, no matter how old you are, that's a serious injury. If he does have to get that injury off the uh, in this offseason – at what point, if you're a Dodgers fan, knowing you have Mookie signed for the next decade plus, is there a huge cause for concern, uh, given so much of Mookie's game is based on his speed and athleticism? Um, as soon as he goes under the knife for a hip operation. The hip injury is not something. Those one hips a joint that – if that goes, your whole body is done. So if he's not 100 – if the hip is what's messing with him, I'm, I would, I'm already concerned. Last injury, not quite an injury, but something I want to bring up. Clay Holmes on Wednesday was the latest Yankee added to the COVID-19 injury list before Wednesday afternoon season finale against the Royals. Uh, Holmes had allowed two earned runs and eight and thirds innings pitch and struck out seven. I just, I've never seen an organization struggle so much with COVID like the Yankees. It would be one thing if there was one outbreak where everyone got it at once, like we've seen with the Nationals in the past, but this has just been gradual guys just getting it over and over again. Uh, my question for you is, you know, are, are we past this? Do you think there's going to be more COVID cases with the Yankees or is this the final nail here where it's okay, we've gotten these out of the way. We're going to be healthy the rest of the season. Chase, what do you think I'm going to say here? You're going to say get vaccinated and this is a non-issue. 
I'm going to say get vaccinated and wear a mask because it's a virus, the virus outpaces the vaccine and we have no way of knowing what's going to happen. I can't predict how viruses interact. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a doctor. I'm a pretend doctor. But I do have a decent understanding of public health. And my understanding says, do whatever the public health officials say. Thank you for your service. I appreciate it. Uh, a couple tweets to wrap up this week. Here's a question for you. This is from Jake Montgomery. Which was the worst loss of the season this year for the Yankees? The Field of Dreams game, the 7-2 lead against the Astros where Altuve walked it off, Chapman imploding versus the Angels, or the Red Sox breaking up Herman's no-hitter and scoring five runs in the eighth? Um, my gut reaction is the no-hitter one, but I'm, I'm not a big Domingo guy, so that's eliminated. Um, I would have the Altuve one. I'm going with the Altuve one. The Altuve one is tough because of whatever, because of all – because why that guy? That guy, come on. I mean, we it's it's crazy. We talked about it when it happened, but the Yankees would have been sweeping the Astros going into the break had we won that game. Instead, the fact that we had taken two of three against the Red Sox and the Astros, I believe, going into the break, it meant nothing because that was the memory that we had. So I'm going with the Altuve home run. I'll go with that. I'll say Field of Dreams game kind of gets glossed over because the whole night was just so sick. And it was just a crazy ninth inning. I mean, ultimately, we had no business being up there. It was like, you know, we love the Yanks, but Judge hitting dingers, Giancarlo hitting dingers. And that game was just full of dingers. And we, as much as we love the Yanks, we love dingers. <laughs> a couple other tweets. Uh, on 8-11, this is from Stats by Stats, the longest start of the majors today was six innings. The first time in MLB history that every team was in action on a given day and no starter pitched more than six innings. Do you think Nolan Ryan reads a tweet like that and just rolls over in his grave? Well, I think Nolan Ryan's still alive. I think you know what I mean. Did, um, Do you think he rolls over in his rock and not a rocking chair? I'm going to say in his reclining chair in Texas thinking these. I, mean, I think I, Nolan Ryan, I think is still probably working out. I think he's probably at the hunting range, just killing birds. That's what I picture. Whatever the intense activity of the day is for Nolan Ryan, when he saw that, he did it twice. From Jeremy Frank, a couple of, another Starling Marte shout out here. He's the eighth player with 25 hits, 10 steals, and multiple home runs in a 13-game stretch since 1901. Uh, talk about an impact player at the deadline. Uh, highs and lows for the Rays. The high that is such the- an A's. That is such an A's statistic, too. That only happens for the A's. Highs and low for their Rays. Uh, they've scored eight-plus runs in seven straight games, the longest streak since the 2001 Indians. That's the high. They did it again tonight. So would have been eight. No, I think this was from earlier in the week, though, so there would have been days in between. Uh, and Josh Fleming for the low allowed 17 base runners in three and a third innings against the Red Sox. He faced 26 batters and 17 reached base. The Red Sox scored 21s that day. Not great. Uh, Rays lost 5-4 yesterday to uh, Minnesota. This is from New York Yankee stats. Uh, here's uh, how's this for a list. The players with at least one save in every season since 2013, Soria, Melanson, Kimbrell, Kenley, Wade Davis, Chapman, Britton. Of all those guys, do we both agree? Joaquin Soria is the most surprising. Yeah, but the number's only one. It's not a particularly high bar. Sometimes you need to just not get hurt too, though, at a certain point. You need to pitch that long and stay healthy. Yeah, I kind of thought Sori would be out of the league, but he's not. August 12th, today in baseball, there was a Maddox, 
which was Wainwright, a 15K game, Corbin Burns, a 20-run game, which was the Red Sox, and Ozzie Albies hit a walk-off homer. The first time in MLB history that all of those feats occurred in the same day. Well, the Maddox is kind of just like a Fugaz made-up stat. All right, regardless, though, a shutout under 100 pitches, a walk-off homer, a 20-run game, and a 15K game. Do you think we'll ever see all of those events occur in the next 20 years in the same day? I think absolutely not. Well, a 15K game, 15Ks and 20 runs, that's hard. Um, I would say of the, the 15 strikeouts, the most impressive of those feats, followed by 20 runs. The Maddox thing, I, I'm just like not – Maybe I'm just not digging the Maddox thing. There have been a couple days. The last week there were a couple days were just great baseball days. Um, like Saturday, Saturday that no hitter plus that Mets uh, that Mets Dodgers game where they went Walker had a no hitter through six. Yeah, it was an epic epic day of baseball. Uh, my last tweet is going to be about Giancarlo Stanton with his appearance in the Field of Dream game, Dreams game in Iowa. Stanton will join Chris Gomez as the only players in MLB history to play in 20 different U.S. states plus D.C. What is the, what, what is, what is the, what is the one that he has that other players don't? Iowa, probably. Well, then why, like, what, what does he have that all the Yankees don't? Am I, was there another novelty game? There's, that, well, there's probably just some random National League team that the Yankees haven't played at in quite some time. I feel like... Like a Colorado, Arizona? Could be. I don't know. What about LeMayu? LeMayu's been around forever. Hey, man, I, I don't make the tweets. I just read them out. I got to I gotta really investigate this one. Do some because investigation. I saw some of the notes earlier, and I'm like. Do some investigating. We'll bring it up to start next week's show. Uh, that's all I got. Any conclusions for this week's podcast? I mean, I'm just like investigating. Uh, get vaccinated, and I will keep investigating. Mine is going to be go Yanks doubleheader against the Red Sox tomorrow. Big series. Uh, we got Luis GL. You know what? Okay. Here it is. Your investigation is done. Let me hear it. You cut the best part out of the tweet. He had a game in North Carolina. What was the MLB game in North Carolina? You tell me, I have no idea. Fort Bragg game. When did Giancarlo Stanton play in North Carolina? This is this is this is something. Anyway, big series Yankees Red Sox. Be on the lookout for that. Grateful Dead tour starts tonight. Dead and Co. If you're going to be in City Field, I'll see you there Friday. You're going to be in Philly. I'll see you there Saturday. Let's chase. We got it. We got it again. We got it again. Hold on. Let me finish my point, Bryce. No need to interrupt for your Foyt Bragg stats. If you're going to the Dead shows, hit me up. I will see you there. Um, and overall, just have a good week. Now give me the standing news. So it was the Fort Bragg game in July 3rd, 2016. So you and I had other arrangements. We were up at camp. Um, and the Braves, the Braves played a home game in uh, North Carolina. There you have it. Giancarlo Stanton making history even when he's not hitting home runs. Just by appearing on the field. And we know with Stanton, the best ability is availability. Jeez, I, can I name some fun names from this team? Sure. I keep trying to wrap this up and you won't. Uh, yeah, but now I got to, I got, I got, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. I'm into it. The Fort Bragg game. We had the, the Marlins had JT Yelich as an end And pinch hitting for David Phelps, Ichiro Suzuki. Did they have D Gordon and Justin Bohr in that game? They did not. But the Braves had 
they had a chase. They had Chase Dornell. Freddie. Freddie, Marcakis, Tyler Flowers, and Jeff Francoeur, and Eric Ivar. Wow. Ending with a, on a high note with Eric Ivar. Here's how I'm going to end this week's podcast. If you want to see poetry in motion, go to YouTube right now. Look at Just look up Jeff Francoeur throws. Uh, before he was a great commentator with the Braves, he had a rocket arm with the Royals. Uh, and once upon a time, they thought he was going to be the next George Brett. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, but, or sorry, he didn't even play for the Royals. He played for the Braves. What he am played I for about? both. He, was, he came up with the Braves. Came up with the Braves. and they Not an SI cover titled The Natural. They thought he was going to be up there with Chipper and Andrew Jones. Alas, he had a good but not great career. Uh, so on your own time, look up Jeff Francoeur. That's all the time we got this week. With Bryce Holden, my name is Jason Midorski. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great week.